0: The Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, welcome everybody to the very first ever in history. Lions of Liberty podcast holiday, extravaganza, spectacular, call it whatever you want, extravatacular, whatever it is. It's going to be amazing because we have a few amazing guests in the studio today, both in the studio and on the line. I want to go around, introduce everyone. First of all, in studio, I've got here a name that if you're familiar with our website, lionsofliberty.com, you may know this name. He's kind of our resonant I don't know, resident ranter, resident curmudgeon, (laughs) uh, resident Rand Paul critique, resident Obamacare ranter. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, live in the Lions of Liberty Studios, Brian McWilliams. Ho, 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 and a merry
1: liberty to all.
0: All right. Now, Brian, we want to just get a quick little idea kind of introduce you to our audience for everybody. Just real quick, what are you drinking and what is your favorite
1: holiday movie? Alright, well, I'm drinking a little something called Christian Brothers Brandy. Now, it's got a VS on the, uh, the label, which stands for very smooth. Makes me wonder how many types of brandy you're making. Is there one that's just total garbage called G or not smooth? A little bit confusing. Anyway, drinking that little cider. Also gonna be mixing a little eggnog. My favorite holiday movie? Christmas story, fantastic. But let's, uh, let's go with Scrooge. You would put Scrooge above Christmas.
2: Stories. Scrooge is the All best. Right. Bill Murray? Yeah, no,
3: it's hard to
0: argue with Bill Murray or Scrooge. All right, now we're going to toss things over across the country, all the way to the other liberal bastion in the country, New Jersey. We got our man, a man who's kind of faded off of the website a little bit. He's been a busy guy, but we're glad to have him in the podcast today. Dom Sidoti, one of my fellow founders, along with Brian and Odie. Dom Sidoti, welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Hey, guys. Good to be back. We are thrilled to have you here, buddy. It's been a while. Now, what exactly are you drinking over there, all the way in your your nice home in New Jersey?
4: Well, part of my busy year was taking a job that requires about two hours of drive each way, so uh, I didn't have much time. I stopped and grabbed some Celebration out from Sierra Nevada. I'm familiar with their work. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Respectable.
1: Respectable. All right. It's not as hard as we like on this podcast.
3: Your whiskey shot.
1: But, you know, we'll we'll take it. It's no whiskey chat, but that'll that'll
0: suffice. We're not necessarily doing a whiskey chat today. We're doing a whatever-we-want-to-drink chat. just means Dom's going to make
1: the most sense at the end of it.
3: (laughs) And,
0: and Dom, what's your favorite holiday movie?
4: I guess I got to say Christmas Vacation. It's a bit of a cliche, but um, I'm just a sucker for Chevy Chase antics, really...
0: All right. Can't argue with that. Now we're going to head over a little westward, not too far, from Pittsburgh, PA. We got a couple of guys. First of all, we got John Odermatt. How you doing? Felony Friday author.
5: Doing fantastic, Mark. Great to be here.
0: All right. It's actually John's second podcast appearance. And uh, just so you guys know at home, John Odermatt, we affectionately call him as Odie. So that's likely what you hear us referring to him as throughout the show. Now, Odie, what are you drinking over there? And what's are, your favorite holiday movie?
5: We are drinking on some uh, Evan Williams whiskey and some... Uh some eggnog. and also have a fridge full of beer so we got some some variety here
0: all right you guys are stuck now who's this we were talking about I'm, I'm hearing a we we also got if you're familiar with the podcast you may have heard this guy's name because he's asked a bunch of questions of our guests he's always responding whenever we ask for reader questions he's in trent seaman welcome into the lines liberty podcast
2: hey fellas how are you doing fantastic
0: man i you and odie are hanging out there over together in your in your pad there you guys drinking the same thing? You're on the eggnog wagon, too, there?
2: We are. We actually have to set the record straight. Uh-oh. It was, Already. It was Evan Williams' eggnog before Matt got here, and then he stepped over to the fridge and topped it off with a shot at J.D., so we <laughs> stepped it up wow. over. Things get a little... Downward spiraling, you'll, you'll know why. <laughs> didn't realize I did that.
1: <laughs> so we always raising the bar over here. It's good when you're already blacked out before we start recording a podcast, Odie. We
0: didn't want to let you down. Alright, and now I gotta get your holiday movies real quick. Are you oh. gonna, are you gonna differ from the, from the group at all? We got Scrooge so far, we got Christmas vacation.
2: I'm gonna go with an oldie. You guys probably never heard of it, it's called The Night They Saved Christmas, about circa 1980. I've never seen that. No. An
0: animated deal what what is that?
2: No, I think it was one of those made for TV movies, but uh it's uh, the the oldest Christmas movie I can remember, so <laughs> I got to go with that one. But of course the Christmas story is always a lot, but everybody's going to say that, so that doesn't count.
0: Hey, well, I mean that brings us to me, our podcast host and resident Jew, despite being, <laughs> being raised in a Jewish household, I'm pretty sure I love Christmas movies just about more than anybody, Uh, and my father always loved Christmas Story. I've been watching that since I was a kid. Christmas Story is absolutely my favorite Christmas movie, and I'm over here drinking a little bit of spicy, hot cider rum. That's what I got going on. I got Trader Joe's rum in this thing. Uh, I don't even know if you guys have Trader Joe's out there. It's kind of a, a hippie California situation.
5: Oh, we got it. We have Trader Joe's, but in Pennsylvania, the state controls the liquor, so yeah. no liquor in Trader Joe's.
0: Nah. We could probably do a whole podcast about liquor and how the state <laughs> just know. gets involved in it and ruins it for we everybody. We could do a whole but... podcast about
1: how you can't get yingling on the California coast. There
0: you go. Uh, Odie, I think I skipped your movie already, too. We're already skipping over things. What's your favorite movie, Odie? Christmas Story. All I'm right. I prefer the class. It's tough, because there's like there's probably five or six super high-quality Christmas movies, but to me, you just can't get better than the Christmas story. It's just impossible.
4: Yep. I'm surprised nobody mentioned Die Hard. I was expecting that to be a thing. Does
0: Die Hard count?
1: I oh, guess it, if it takes place during Christmas, it's a
0: Christmas it, movie, right?
4: I,
1: it is, but it's not, we, we had a conversation with this in the car, I think. It was, It's not an essential Christmas theme, though. I mean, you gotta have a, cent- Christmas is the central theme to the movie for it to count. I mean, view. to me, then, home, does
0: Home Alone count? Cause I mean, Home Alone, I call, I call that a Christmas movie. It's, I, it's, it's based I around a Christmas vacation, I, agree. I
1: mean. And it's all Christmas time. They're robbing people's Christmas houses with the gifts. No, that one. That one counts. That one definitely counts.
0: I can't wait to look up and see that. Are we? We've been recording for like two hours, and we're still talking about <laughs> Christmas movies. So, so maybe we should get on to the actual. Hey, that's subject liberty, here. baby. That's yeah. our right. That is a. That is a. That's a right. That's our right to talk about all this stuff, and you know, and the sit views on our listeners. But you know, no, we are here for a reason. We're here because we're capping off a wonderful year. Not only for Liberty, but, you know, for the Lions of Liberty. For us, our website has just kind of exploded. It started off as a little blog back in 2011. We got our man Tommy John from TommyJohnStudios.com who built us an amazing website. And, you know, we've really gotten a lot of great traction. I know we have a lot of fans out there, a lot of readers. And now we have the Lions of Liberty podcast, just another venue in which we can advance the ideas of liberty and talk about all this stuff that's important to us. Let's move on to our first topic, guys. What do you say? Absolutely. And this one's going to be an easy one, because I, I know this might actually be a hard one, because I know it, it's just like the Christmas movies. It's going to be really hard to choose your favorite. But we're going to start with a little grandstanding, a little patting ourselves on the back, patting me on the back if you want, whatever. <laughs> I got to know, guys, let's go around the room. What's your favorite episode of the Lions of Liberty podcast, your favorite podcast guest? We're going to start with Brian in studio.
1: All right. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously it was the one I was on. But, of uh, course,
0: <laughs>
5: excluding
3: your
1: wisdom. But chat. barring that, I enjoyed John Whitehead a lot, actually. I, um, yeah. I believe the police state's a, a, a huge issue. And so, you know, I, kind of, I kind of enjoy that one a lot. Obviously the one with Kane was pretty interesting because yeah. <laughs> it's bringing a professional wrestler on the podcast. So those, those would be my picks.
0: Well, yeah. And that was our last episode, episode 13 with John Whitehead. Be sure to check that one out. Let's toss it back across the country. Dom, what's your favorite episode of the Lions Liberty podcast? I'm assuming you've had so much time on your, you know, your four hour commute to, to <laughs> listen to these things.
4: Yeah, I only just recently learned about streaming media, though. So, um, you'll be coming to the <laughs> black. I think probably the Julie Borowski episode. I'm just a big fan of hers. Maybe because she's uh, hot. Maybe because she's funny. I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, but I didn't have to go with that. I was also pretty impressed, uh, but you've had a, Quite an impressive list of guests, and you know, being kind of removed from it for the year, I was I was kind of shocked. Uh, so good work.
0: Kind of shocked. Dom had so little faith <laughs> in my ability to reach out and get a hold of the hot, the best and hottest names in the Liberty movement, <laughs> <laughs> but I think we've done just that, or to some extent, we've had a lot of good names. We have a lot of good names planned for the next year, and that Julie borowski thats episode twelve, Token Libertarian Girl. Be sure to check that one out too. Let's go to our Pittsburgh boys, Odie. What's your favorite episode of the Lions of Liberty Podcast? I've gotta go with
5: Kane, Glenn Jacobs. He's just impressed with how well read he was, um, how articulate he was. I I thought he was just a, a great voice for liberty. Hopefully he continues to continues to write and uh hopefully he runs for political office.
3: Yeah, I mean,
0: it's, it's hard to say. He was definitely a great guest. He, he didn't sound too enthusiastic about the idea of running for office. What, that's the kind of the impression that I got from him, but who knows? He would definitely be an amazing voice and an intimidating voice. And I'd love to see just that, that seven foot tall, monstrous man in the Senate just going off on rants. I think we'd all like to see that. And Trent, what about you? What's your favorite episode of the Lions Liberty podcast? It's
2: a hard choice. There was a lot of good ones, but the Roger Stone one definitely stole my heart. Wow. He was excellent. I have to admit. <laughs> I, uh, when I heard he was, he was coming on there, that, uh, I started digging up questions from way back when.
0: We had a couple questions on the show from Trent. He was definitely an interesting guest. You know, Roger Stone, that was back in episode 11. Definitely, uh, he's kind of been a political insider for over 40 years. So if there's anybody that knows some things, it's Roger Stone about the inner workings of politics, the kind of, Sort of shady stuff people will do, up to and including murder, to attain and retain power. So uh, definitely an interesting episode. And now i got to toss it back here into the studio. To me, i got to agree with Odie. My favorite episode is my interview with Glenn Jacobs, also known as Kane. And that's not to knock any of my guests, because I've had some absolutely amazing guests, uh, people that have been heroes of mine, Walter Block. Uh, we had Chris Rossini on. Brian McWilliams. Brian McWilliams, John Odermatt, <laughs> those guys uh, are some really great guests, but I- I've been a wrestling fan, as you guys know. I got a lot of flack for it, so I know you know, uh, So, and I've been a fan of Glenn and his character Kane for many years, so it was really cool to just actually speak to somebody that I've seen on TV for so long and just find out the real person behind, behind that mask and behind that intimidating figure, and he's actually just... Incredibly nice, and as you said, Odie, articulate guy, amazing voice for liberty. Now we're gonna go to a, a really big segment that we got planned here. This is our naughty or nice segment. What we're gonna do here is we're gonna go, I got a list of names, names that have been in the news, names that some of which have been associated with the liberty movement, other ones just kind of generally well known names or people. And I'm just gonna go do a quick naughty or nice. I'm gonna name them, and everyone's gonna give their opinion. Have they been naughty? Have they been nice this year? And a quick reason why. And how, you know, basically trying to relate this mostly to the liberty movement. Are they helping advance liberty? Are they hurting the cause of liberty? So on and so forth. So we're going to go down the list and I'll go in our same order that we've established. We're going to start with, it's kind of a toss up, a softball. We're going to start with our man. Ron Paul, Brian,
1: what do you think of Ron Paul this year? Well, I mean, empirically, I'd say, uh, i say nice. I'm tempted to say naughty, though, because sometimes he's backed Rand in certain situations where I well, would just want to be a
3: contrarian.
1: I don't want to be a contrarian, but I'm just saying. You, he backs his son. Who can felt a man for backing his blood? So overall, okay, he's nice.
0: All right. We got a nice for Ron Paul. Odie, what do you
5: think? I've got to say nice for Ron Paul. It's been different to see him out of politics. He's had a little
2: more freedom, but he's, he's definitely done well for Liberty this year.
0: Trent, how about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to say Ron Paul's nice. He's, now that he's not involved in politics, not that Ron was ever, went out of his way to be politically correct, but he's definitely more focused on, on the energy of the Liberty Movement and giving interviews to numerous parties and saying it like it is. So, you know, how do you not give him a nice?
0: Right. And Dom, tossing it back to New Jersey. Dom, what do you think? Ron Paul, naughty or nice?
4: Uh yeah, I mean it's almost a uh ridiculous question, I guess. It's like you know, air is it essential or excessive. I mean <laughs> easy it's an easy one. Uh yeah, nice. Um I like that he's staying active. He's, he's an old man, let's not forget, and he's still uh coming out with a lot of blood energy with his podcast and all that, so uh definitely nice.
0: All right, and back to me. I I gotta agree with everyone here. Ron Paul is nice. I don't always agree with him. I probably agree with him ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> Once in a while, he says something where I go, eh, I don't know, Ron. But overall, obviously, he's the man that got most of us involved in one way or another in the liberty movement. Uh, you know, being away from Congress has freed him to start his other projects, the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Uh, he's got a Ron Paul homeschooling program coming out. And he's generally just out there doing interviews, doing podcasts, and really almost even more unleashed than he was <laughs> when he was in Congress. And we know he didn't even hold back there. So I got to agree with you guys. Ron Paul gets a nice. Now we move on. This is kind of a softball, too, in its own way. On the other side, it's a very prominent senator by the name of Lindsey Graham. Brian McWilliams, what do you think of Lindsey Graham? Naughty or nice? I'll keep it short. I'm just going to say naughty and let other people tell me All right, why. yeah. I, th- <laughs> I think some other people have some thoughts on that. Dom, I want to get back to the original order. I know I bounced around a little bit. We're going to toss it back at Dom. Dom, what do you think? Lindsey Graham, naughty
3: <laughs> or Nice.
4: Man, it's, uh, you know, you almost have to assume naughty. It's hard to even listen to him, really. I mean, it's the same old story always. We're going to bomb somebody. Um, we're going to support the troops and then bomb somebody. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Um, I, I, naughty for sure. Uh, for the same old reasons he's always been. Uh, he's the same old hack.
0: Same old hack. What about you, Odie? What do you think of that Lindsey Graham character? Naughty or nice?
5: I'm going to have to say Lindsey Graham has been nice, naughty, definitely naughty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at
3: this guy <laughs> trying to
0: mess with now. Everything that he says is the worst. That's a quote I'm going to remember. Everything he says is the worst. <laughs> Trent, what do you think about our yeah, boy Lindsey Graham? Naughty or nice?
2: I can't stray far from you guys. I mean, obviously, he's the worst guy on the planet. <laughs> close to the worst guy on the planet, probably not the worst, but... You know him and John McCain. They were they were beating the drum for the Syria invasion, and they're always up to their same old tricks. He was beating on Ted Cruz just for representing the people that elected him, and you know getting him into office, and basically giving Ted Cruz a hard time for representing his constituency. And I, it's, he's just the the cornerstone of crony politics. So definitely naughty.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk more about Ted Cruz later. He's another one on our list here. But yeah, generally, Lindsey Graham is the same guy he's always been. He is naughty. I agree with you guys. Uh, he's pretty much always constantly calling for more war, more imperialism, more police state measures, pretty much more of everything that anybody remotely interested in the or accepting of the ideas of liberty is against. So again, yeah. we all agree. Ding, ding, ding. Sorry, Lindsey. Naughty. Naughty boy this year. <laughs> We're going to move on from our softballs, try to get a little more interesting. Our next guy on our list, prominent radio personality. This guy appeared on Piers Morgan, went on a gun rant. A lot of people call this guy a crazy conspiracy theorist.
1: What do you guys think? Alex Jones, naughty or nice. Brian? Uh, I'm going to say, even though I, I support a lot of Alex Jones' positions, it, I think I'm going to say naughty just because he, like a lot of other people, he looks fun to the libertarians, and people view him as a libertarian guy. And he's giving, uh, a bad name. You know, people see him as, as being this crazy kind of kook, and it doesn't do any, any of us rational people any favors. So I, I'm gonna say, uh, despite, you know, his, his good deeds, I'm gonna say he ends up being naughty son. Alright, Dom, what do you
0: think about Alex Jones? Has he been naughty or nice? Oh, uh,
1: he makes me feel naughty. He's a guilty partner. <laughs> but.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. but I'm gonna say nice. He gives me a lot
4: of enjoyment. Um, some of his stuff's, you know, I don't know uh, what kind of audience we're getting for these podcasts, but that's
0: crazy. The best at. one ever. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, but I, I enjoy his work, to be honest with you. Um it's kind of that uh with the one day sport uh, tabloid type fun um that a lot of times once we the stuff we say read. Right?
1: He's definitely the TMZ of the libertarian uh... <laughs> Exactly yeah, <no. laughs> All right. Back over to
0: Pittsburgh. Odie, what do you think of Alex Jones? Is he naughty or nice?
5: Alex Jones, you know, he's a little bit over dramatic, a little bit, uh, you know, over the top, but just for his, uh, critiquing Piers Morgan in a British accent live on TV, <laughs> I will give him
2: nice for the year. That
0: was awesome. All right, Trent, what do you think about Alex Jones? Naughty or nice?
2: It's the same, same feeling for me. He's, he's borderline nice for me because you got to give the guy respect for going on national TV and re- really getting in the face of the gun control crowd and Basically, just the, the status crowd. On, on the other hand, on a naughty note, you, you have to look at some of the things he speaks about on his uh, radio show and, and categorize him as sensationalist at best. So he's nice, but he's he's got his drawbacks.
0: Got it. And you know, back, It's a tough one for me because I started listening to Alex Jones. I pro- I probably first got interested in Alex Jones due to a link to a Ron Paul interview in, like, 2006, 2007. And, yeah, I thought he was saying some crazy, outrageous stuff. But a lot of the stuff he was saying, talking about the police state, the GPSs in our cars, stuff Mm -hmm. like that that sounded so crazy, is literally happening right now. So, you know, I think I was very tempted to give him a naughty because I think he does come across very bad in public in a lot of ways. The way he kind of goes on, rants, comes across as a raving lunatic, uh, if people associate him with libertarians, that could really cause some issues, uh, which is, you know, something we'll discuss with a lot of these people. And uh, when people associate certain people with libertarianism, that can be an issue. But overall, you know, he has a lot of great guests, comes to a lot of conclusions too quickly, I think. But in general, he's entertaining. He gets a lot of people listening to his show and he brings up a lot of important points, even when I think he reaches the wrong conclusions. So Alex Jones, I'm going to give you a nice for 2013. Now, moving along, this is somewhat of a softball, again. Our departing Federal Reserve Chairman, Mr. Ben Bernanke.
1: <laughs> Brian, <laughs> what trails. do you think of Ben Bernanke? Now? Happy trails. Ben Bernanke is not only naughty, I think, you know, he, after he left the Fed position, he's literally up for the new position and is running as the new Prince of Hell. I think Satan's retiring, Ben Bernanke's taking over, and uh, and that's where he belongs. I can't describe how naughty he is.
0: All right, Tom, what do you think of our boy Ben Bernanke? I know you're a big fan of his.
4: <laughs> uh, Yeah, it's an easy one as well, man. Naughty. Um, you know, this whole QE infinity, uh, crap, it's giving us maybe a, a nudge over 4% GDP is going to kill us in the long term. Um, you know, we got to stop looking at these things in such a short term manner. Guys like Ben look at it quarter to quarter because it's a number that gets us excited. That's kind of crap. Anyway, doesn't really mean anything. Uh, we should have a whole podcast on GDP and what it means. Um, but uh, taking those short chunks of time and evaluating success against it is going to kill us in 10 or 20 years. But if you look back, 20 or 30, quality of life and the real value of the dollar, um, I think we're going to see that, if not much worse, um, from, from all the money that's hit the ground here in the last four or five years, especially in the last two. Uh, but really, I mean, Ben is just um, part of a bigger problem. Whatever name we put up here, uh, we'll be saying the same thing. I don't think there's a guy who's getting nominated that wouldn't be able to follow the same exact policies
1: all right yeah, thanks for keeping that short that's another <laughs>
0: that is another naughty for our boy ben bernanke now uh and i believe that was also an offer from don to come on to the podcast next week and do a, a 45 minutes about gdp was that, <laughs> is that what i got out of that uh, that's a possibility we'll talk afterwards all right great well we'll do some negotiating uh all right back to pittsburgh Odie, what do you think ben bernanke naughty or nice
5: I'll just keep mine short by saying I agree with everything Dom said. Ben Bernanke's definitely naughty. And also I'll say he would be naughty even if he had was not the head of the Federal Reserve, not involved in politics, just because of his smug, condescending face.
2: <laughs> what about his beard? And his beard too. I don't like his
0: beard. <laughs> All right, Trent, what do you think? Naughty or nice?
2: I think he was so naughty that he was nice. <laughs> that that being said, he's gone so far with the uh easements and the dove policy of Printing money that so many people have gotten wise and, and learned about the Federal Reserve in the last couple of years that you almost have to give him a nice just because people are starting to learn about what's really going on out there.
1: That's so, a that's a good point. He's uh he, he's gone so far the other way that he's inspired people
0: to yeah, rail. So is that him. almost a nice or is that what's what's the official?
2: Oh, I'm going with a nice. Okay, all right. People have definitely I've talked to people that I've known for years mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they know something about the Federal Reserve and it blows you away and they actually are pissed off about it and that's a great thing for liberty. So and you think
0: maybe that's due to kind of the extreme nature of that Bernanke goes to with, you know, the QE and that kind of stuff that's really in the public eye?
2: Absolutely. And that goes for a lot of people on our, on our list that we're talking about. They've taken it to such extremes that you literally have to pat them on the back because your average person out there now cares and now is intelligent and can give a good argument for why The liberty movement is picking up steam. So, right, it's almost
0: like uh, you know they're taking off the mask. It's like, hey, here we are. We're we're really bad. Like you know. So once they do that, it kind of makes it easier for us to to tell people, hey, look, look how bad this guy is. Look how ridiculous this is. Right. I'm being cute. I'm being cute in the studio. I was just
1: gonna say, you know, I just wrote an article about this uh, and posted it yesterday, but it was a, a new poll got taken by Gallup, and it showed that. They told people, they said, what's the biggest threat to the U.S.? Is it big government, big labor, or, uh, big business? And for the first time ever, big government was the biggest concern. 72% of the people said big government. And to so see you said you give Bernanke credit for, for waking people up to what's wrong with the Fed. It's funny. I give credit to Obamacare and I give credit to obviously Edward Snowden and the NSA, uh, exposing the PRISM scandal there because it's woken people up. So, you know, it's the same thing. You give people credit for uh for kind of bring this out. It's the only benefit of Obama because it's woken people up to the dangers of big government oversight over everything.
2: Yeah, it definitely has. I mean you have senior citizens out there that are earning, you know, two percent, actually two percent would be nice, you know, point six percent on their money market funds. All of a sudden those people start caring about Federal Reserve policy and what a fiat currency is really all about. Mm-hmm. If you want to wake people up, you gotta hit them in the pocketbook and Ben's done that. You can't take it from him. Except, right.
5: where are right. senior citizens getting their news from? They're getting it from CNN and CNBC, and they're not necessarily getting the, the full story. Are you uh, trying
0: to say the Lions of Liberty podcast does not have a strong like, senior? <laughs> c- I mean, my dad listens to the show. I mean, I like to think we got a broad demographic, but that's no, a good point. You know, you know, the older generations are likely still getting a lot of their news from regular newspapers, from corporate mainstream news, NBC, that kind of thing. Whereas. You know, the younger you get in the demographic, the more likely they're to be on the Internet, you know, getting their meeting their news from Facebook and Twitter and, you know, lines of dot com, lines liberty podcast, that kind of thing. But and toss it back to me for Ben Bernanke. I totally agree with what Trent is saying, but ultimately, I can't, I got to give the guy a naughty. He's printing money. He's creating money out of thin air. He's stealing from savers. Sorry, buddy. Naughty for you.
1: This eggnog <laughs> is so thick. I, I'm dying. To... <laughs>
0: All right. <laughs> We're gonna move on. Now, this is not someone I'm as directly familiar with as some of you guys, but we're gonna go to a little guy. He's the governor. He's not a little guy. He's a guy who is the governor of New Jersey. Chris Christie. Ryan, what do you think of Chris Christie? Naughty or nice?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say naughty for Chris Christie. I'm just, I'm just overall not a a big fan of his. Honestly, I don't agree with any of his, I don't think any of his points (laughs) that he's ever made. All right. We'll toss it to someone. Probably more
0: familiar with him than anyone else living in his state that he is the governor of over New Jersey. Dom, what do you think of Chris Christie? Naughty or nice? Oh, uh, at, at a national level, which is where he
4: spends a lot of his time, definitely naughty. He, uh, you know,
0: some shots he
4: took against Rand, not that I'm here to talk about Rand being awesome or anything, but, um, you know, kind of always advocating security over liberty. Um, outrightly, I mean, he's, I can't remember the exact quote, but, uh, yeah,
1: I, I remember, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I wish I remember the quote too. I mean,
4: it's, he says things that make you cringe. You know, he's, he's a, he's a party guy. though he's trying to get popular. He's doing dumb things. But I got, I got to admit though, on a local level, um, a little bit nice. He did some things, um, you know, and that's in the, the arena of other New Jersey governors, maybe. But he's done a lot of good things, um, as far as getting the budget under control. He's created a lot of enemies in the teachers' unions, which, um, He's accurately called kind of the biggest bully in the state. And he's he's turned some things around. But I I think um if I had to choose I'd go with I'd go with naughty. I just wanted to throw out some nice things he did do.
0: All right. And what do you guys think over in Pittsburgh? Odie, what about Chris Chrissy? Naughty or nice?
5: Well, I've got to say, until, until a minute ago, I didn't realize that Chris Christie had called Teachers unions the biggest bully in the state, when he, by far, has to be the biggest bully in the state, the governor <laughs> who was looting all taxpayers. I mean, that's the <laughs> definition of a bully. But I thought you were talking physically the biggest bully in the state.
0: He might <laughs> like, be both categories, actually. Maybe <laughs> might be that as well,
5: but he's a bully, and he is definitely
0: naughty, without a doubt. Trent, how about you? Naughty or nice for Chris Christie?
2: I liked a lot of what Dom said. If I was a, a resident of New Jersey... I wouldn't be saying nice, but as a, a resident of Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania and a Pittsburgher, it's it's very disturbing every time you drive down the road to see a stronger than the storm billboard on the <laughs> highway. It pisses me off because we deal with cold weather and just living in Pittsburgh, which is a great place, but we don't get the shore. And when you get the shore, you get hurricanes. And that's just part of living with the shore, just like living in California. You live with with earthquakes. You know that's that's not the rest of the country's job to bail out New Jersey for a hurricane. And he was all over Obama with that. One.
3: All right, yeah. it's the
0: problem of the socialization of risk. You know, the government always wants to say, "What about the poor people that had the earthquakes?" And I, I, I'm sitting exactly. on a fault line. I could have an earthquake. Right. What about the poor people with the hurricanes? Well, the fact is, every every piece of property, if we if we lived in a private property society, has certain systemic, you know, or geographic risks that come with it, and people should, you know buy insurance based on those risks but when the government tries to socialize it then it just becomes a big money grab a big crony capitalist money grab and chris chrissy was dipping his hand in that in that crony oh, yeah. capitalist pot as much All as he could right. so for that he gets a naughty for me i want to go to that back to that billboard real quick can you talk about what that billboard you mentioned because i for i'm not familiar with it and i'm sure some of our listeners are not either
2: it was actually a billboard that was posted in within driving distance of New Jersey. And it was a poster that said stronger than the storm, that was their slogan. And it showed a a young boy on it playing on the beach. And it was basically a a billboard that was promoting coming back to the Jersey Shore for the summer, you know, for like Fourth of July and Memorial Day. And basically saying that the New Jersey shore is open for business. And The problem with that is I have no no problem with New Jersey spending its state earned tax dollars in another state to promote tourism. But as we all know, there was a fair amount of money that went to New Jersey to help rebuild and that came from a federal budget. And Chris Christie was certainly the champion of that.
0: Yeah, I mean it's like we're taking money from people in Iowa, Texas, Hawaii to pay for the New Jersey government to buy billboards in Pennsylvania. I mean it's just it's just absolutely mad.
4: Being from the state, uh, I think it gives some credence in how damn annoying the whole thing was as well. Um, besides billboards, there was commercial campaigns. I don't know if you guys see them all the way Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. They, they had
2: yeah. commercial campaigns, too. I mean, it was everywhere, Dom. You know, we don't like the fact that a lot of our states
4: sucked up resources for people who otherwise didn't take the risk to have overpriced real estate that other people are subsidizing it's kind of a sacred part of living in my area. It's a great area. It's, we've grown up going there in the summer and this and that. And it's a, it's something we've always been envious of and not all of us can have it. And then, you know, something happens to the people who spent all this money out there in the risky waters and didn't get the proper insurances and now we're all the It's a little bit unfair. Um, and you don't feel that anywhere stronger than here, really, to be honest with you. But yeah, they have a, they have a jingle, they have a commercial, and you, you can't turn around. It's uh, I think it's
2: it's more than welcome. People here are really tired of us. It. It's really a shame because it's not a knock on the people in New Jersey. It's a knock on the the government in New Jersey. Because if you if you look in the Midwest, I mean, Joplin, Missouri had a, a tornado that just leveled people's homes, and Joplin, Missouri didn't get near the exposure that that New Jersey got. And I think it just has a lot to do with certain people pushing certain agendas, and honestly, where their geographic location is being. A, being a bedroom community of New York City and right, honestly right. as close as you are to Washington DC, it's you know, it's just not fair that the rest of the country hasn't subsidized people's vacation homes in, in New Jersey.
4: We couldn't agree more here. Well some of us
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. I mean I think we all agree on Chris Christie there. Moving along, this is an interesting one we've got the Boston Police Department. Now, of course, we bring them up because there was the bombing at the marathon back in April and there was, you know, what some would people would call an overreaction or other people would call a just a reaction. They essentially locked down the city uh to find these two you know to suspected bombers nobody's been tried yet so what do you guys think of the boston police department starting with brian mcwilliams back in the studio
1: well i I've, I've a feeling like i'll speak uh i'll speak for a lot of us when i say that they're very naughty i don't think there's any excuse for shutting down an entire i mean how many blocks did they shut down over this thing where people weren't allowed to leave their houses weren't allowed to do anything i mean that's that's it's insanity it's ridiculous to, Unless to they trap people in their houses there you go they were raiding the Dunkin' Donuts. No, it's just, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's inexcusable that, that you would trap people and make them prisoners of their own homes. Um, you know, to find these two people and you know, it's horrible. Naughty. <laughs> All
0: right. Back to you, Dom, in New Jersey. What do you think? Uh, I
4: know me and Mr. McWilliams don't always agree on everything and, um, sometimes have some heated battles over NHL and, um, football. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but
4: I agree more. And you know what, what's even naughtier? in 2013 is the reaction of people with whom I've had the same conversation who don't subscribe to uh, this podcast or, or our daily updates. I was really disappointed to hear how many people thought it was absolutely justified and necessary, and they were clearly given up the right for people to come into their homes um, uh, you know, under this blanket of safety. That uh, was, yeah, was disappointing. It was, they they were definitely naughty, and the behavior and thoughts that followed by the American public was even naughty.
0: Back to our boys in Pittsburgh. What do you guys think, Odie? Naughty or nice for the Boston PD?
5: The actions of the Boston PD were completely disgusting and disturbing. And uh, just like Don was saying... Um to to watch how many people supported that openly. I remember our our Facebook page, there were a couple of people that came on supporting the actions of the police saying that they they wouldn't have caught the guy when in fact they did catch the bomber. It was a private citizen that that found the guy in his backyard once they let people leave their houses. So it it was disturbing and to watch some of those videos really really shocks you. But definitely not
0: That was probably our most commented on Facebook post. We posted something about, I don't even remember what the exact meme was, it was just something we shared about people cheering in the streets, yay, the police saved us from this guy, and, I mean, by shutting us down, by creating
1: a police state. Right, well, it's the constant debate of security versus liberty, and I, I didn't want to bring this up because we have so many other guests and it kind of ties into the rest of it, but for Chris Christie, one of the big things that he was naughty for, I didn't bring up, so he was going to bring up later, is that he he said, you know, basically he, he said that the 9-11 attacks were justification for a heightened security state. Uh, this was yeah. in, a, in a debate with actually with Rand Paul. And, uh, you know, the, there's no excuse. It, if you're going to sacrifice all of your liberties for security, then it, what do you have? You know, what's the what's the point of being free? Anyway, I, I just we'll, we'll get we'll get more to that later. But, um, yeah, I completely agree. But, yeah, that was
4: that was the premise of what I was saying. I mean, his whole thing with Rand was was that very principle that, that I hate seeing so, like pervasive in the population.
0: I mean, that that's the thing about Rand Paul, as much as we might criticize him, as we often do on our website, like we always say, too, he's by far the best senator and often does take very correct and very, you know, good positions, especially when compared to the likes of, say, Chris Christie, who will just openly call for a police state and, and openly deride people that advocate for civil liberties. What about you, Trent? What do you think about the old Boston PD? Naughty or nice.
2: Well, they're definitely naughty, but you have to appreciate the fact that how quickly the Boston PD tipped their hand and how fast a police state can be mobilized.
1: I think that's terrifying.
2: (laughs) Well, it's definitely terrifying, Brian, but the thing is is look at how much society saw that a police state could be mobilized so quickly over something, I I don't want to say small, but the, the police state took over so quickly that it's it's terrifying, like you were saying. And what I'm saying is that the Boston PD tipped their hand to society that this could happen in a matter of minutes. Almost, so it's
0: almost like, look, look how fast we can we can give you that, a police. It, it literally this, takes 24 that, hours for us to get together.
2: Right. We we can do this at any point for almost any reason.
1: Uh, Alex Jones had a lot of articles about the uh, you know the the Department of Homeland Security stockpiling bullets. And you wonder, you see how fast Boston deployed this, this police state. And then you look at all the bullets and everything else that Homeless Security is doing and how, you know, they're stockpiling ammunition, they're stockpiling tanks, they're stockpiling everything else. How quickly on a federal level will they be able to run, roll that out if they need to?
2: What I'm saying, the, the DHS purchased 400 million rounds of ammunition this year, mm-hmm. which personally, uh, from my point of view, I think that was just a good way of getting ammunition off the marketplace for private citizens to buy. But nevertheless, that ammunition is still in the hands of government officials. And the Boston Police Department proved that with with a matter of a few fatalities, they will completely militarize a city. And, you know, if that doesn't wake up America to the fact that this can happen in any major metropolitan area for just about any reason, you know, I don't know what will. It's You have to look back and with everything we talk about, reminded of the Thomas Jefferson quote that, I prefer dangerous uh, freedom over peaceful sl- uh, slavery. And, and that's got to wake people up now. you yes. got look at some of the things that forefathers said and realize that this stuff's coming full circle now.
1: Yeah. Well, this kind of, I hate to mention the same article in the same podcast, but again, in this poll, this Gallup poll that was posted, I, I questioned, you know, people said big government with the biggest threat, but I questioned, I said, well, what do they define big government as? Because like you said, I think most people would look at this rollout of the Boston Police Department and say, how impressive, how great that is. You know, whole oh, wow, we are so safe in this because they don't view that as as big government as a threat. When they think of big government, they're thinking of The NSA and spying, they're thinking of Obamacare and fringe guns thing. They're not thinking
2: about the police state and how that is big government. That is what can happen in in an instant. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's so frightening. It's unbelievable. And, and people are, are, feel a sense of security until they're the target of it. Right. So they're the, they're the one that, that fits the profile of the person who committed the crime, or at least is suspected of committing the crime. Now all of a sudden you're not feeling so safe, and what happens when a large percentage of the population is now that suspect because they may not have views that align with what the popular government is speaking to? It
5: can happen fast.
2: Mm-hmm. Not to
5: not to drag this out, but a, a, I think a, an important point to to think about. Um, Boston, obviously a very liberal area. Um, probably not every area would be nearly as submissive to a police state as, as yeah, the Boston, true. Massachusetts area. Um A lot of places in America, I, I don't think that would have gone the same way.
0: I don't know. Do you think that people would literally, I mean, if I saw the police state outside my door, I mean, even as much as I am opposed to it, I mean, what do you mean by people wouldn't take it? I mean, I guess I would take it in the sense that I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna come outside with a gun and be like, "Hey guys, get saying, out of here, you police state." <laughs>
5: I'm not saying there would have been like a, a, any conflict of any sort, and you know, a, any sort of gunfire. Of or offense, outrage. Sorry. Saying that at all. All I'm saying is, people might have you know, just gone out and walked around, and there would have been more incidents of people disobeying the the ruling or the the, uh, the edict to not leave their house.
2: I think a, a good point to make is, in Massachusetts, it's a fairly liberal state as it relates to the Second Amendment. Whereby your, your average person who is occupying a property may not be fully utilizing their second amendment rights and the police know that and they're going to be a little more aggressive with their, their demeanor if they know that people are not fully exercising their second amendment rights. If you were to do that same type of occupation or police state mobilization in say Houston, Texas or Nashville, Tennessee, it would be a totally different story from the police's point of view because you wouldn't be so aggressive to walk into somebody else's house who you knew could potentially be exercising that second amendment right on their own personal property
0: right and the police officers themselves in that case might have a different attitude as people that live in those areas as well i mean let's not forget that the police officers are people too even when we disagree with what they're doing so i think it's a possible you might see a lot more, and maybe I just have too much optimism here, but you might see a lot more police officers in, the, in some of those places actually themselves maybe objecting to what they're doing or, or you know, maybe not be as enthusiastic about it.
2: I think you're absolutely correct. When it all comes down to it, the, the politicians need citizens to take on these roles to carry out their plans. And if the citizens start having second thoughts about what they're doing, even if it is, quote, unquote, their job, it's going to make carrying out their plan much more difficult.
0: All right, I think that's a pretty good good little rant we had on the Boston PD topic. I'm glad we brought that one up. That was a (laughs) Trent suggestion, by the way. i got to give you credit for that. That that produced a good little combo. And obviously, my official word on them, it is naughty. As much as I I do agree with Trent's perspective, uh, it gives us something to point to and say, hey, look, look what this is. Look what they're doing. This was just one guy that killed a few people with a bomb. Imagine another 9-11. Imagine the kind of response that we might get to that. But hey, the police state's always naughty to me. So naughty, 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 Boston PD. I did not mean to rhyme there, by the way, at all. Alright, let's move along. We're gonna get to an interesting one right now. We're gonna go over to a man named Ted Cruz, a prominent new senator in the United States Senate. He's popular with a lot of conservatives. He's popular with a lot of libertarians, even. Ted Cruz,
1: Brian McWilliams, naughty or nice? In the context, because I obviously have a very harsh critic of Rand Paul who walks that line. I'll say Ted Cruz is nice because he, because I view him primarily as a conservative Republican GOP in the wool. And, uh, you know, but he has, he he's done some good things for Liberty again, standing up to, to Chris Christie. And, uh, so I'll, I'll give him a nice while, Vehemently saying I do not endorse. A Ted watchful cruise. nice. A white a, watchful a, a nice, nice but I got an eye on you, pal. It's a it's a it's a uh like a peppermint uh candy cane with like two pieces of coal.
0: Fast forward six months, we're gonna see some Brian McWilliams anti tech Cruz articles. I'm pretty <laughs> excited about it. Alright, let's toss it over to you, Dom. What do you think about our boy Ted Cruz? Naughty or nice. I have to
4: think a second or two about this one. Um but I think ultimately I'm gonna go with nice. Uh I think his filibuster was largely largely dramatic and um, might not have done much, but it's it's kind of admirable that somebody stands up and calls attention to something, uh, no matter how ill conceived it may be. I gotta respect that. Um, and he, you know, actually, he comes across, especially with the media coverage of him, as kind of a, a you know run-of-the-mill conservative, says the straight conservative things. But he sometimes um, is sort of eloquent
0: in the way he delivers a message
4: and backs it with reason and constitutional knowledge.
0: I'm like, to be nice. Alright, that's an that's two nices for Ted Cruz so far. Let's see what our Pittsburgh boys think. What do you think, Odie? Ted Cruz, naughty or nice. Ted Cruz is a tough
5: one. Um, he's he's a polarizing figure. He uh he says a lot of great things. He he you know talks the talk, if you will. His rhetoric is pretty good towards liberty. But uh when you start to look into his his past a little bit and even just into uh, the fact that his wife works for Goldman Sachs, you start to question, you know, where's this guy coming from? And I got I a mean, full disclosure. I haven't done a full background check on Ted Cruz, but I'm a little skeptical of the guy. Um, I, I don't trust him yet. That's for sure. So I'm definitely, definitely a watchful eye on Ted Cruz, but I'll give him a nice for this year
0: so far. All right. Ted Cruz is three and oh so far. Yeah. Trent, what do you think? Not your nice.
2: It would be a cautiously nice for me. And the main reason for that is Ted Cruz acknowledges that he was basically elected by his constituency to Halt Obamacare at any level, and he did do that. You have to give him credit for that. He stood up there and did everything possible to to hold up uh, a law that was unpopular across the United States and certainly in Texas. On another note, though, his some of his his social agenda, I, I would definitely disagree with. I think. A lot of his social agenda marches all over civil liberties, so in that regard, I would give him a naughty, but definitely overall, it would be a cautious nice, just because he did represent the people that elected him to go to Washington for a certain agenda item.
0: All right, well, so far, Ted Cruz is coming in with a 4-0, and but I'm sorry to say he's not going to leave with a perfect record, (laughs) because I am going to give Ted Cruz... But it's also a tepid naughty, because I do agree with your, a lot of what you guys are saying. And he is not necessarily, I don't see him as associated with libertarianism as much, so I do, you know, like a lot of you guys see him more in the context of a quote-unquote conservative Republican. Obviously standing up against Obamacare and that kind of thing is good, but it's really not that different from a lot of what, you know, any other mainstream Republican would do. My problem with Ted Cruz, and it comes back to what has always been one of my biggest issues, is foreign policy. I think foreign policy and war is, is a real litmus test for me because it's really easy to take kind of, you know, those, um, small government stances at home. Oh, yeah. I don't think the government should be involved in healthcare and all that. It takes some real balls, so to speak, to take a strong stance against intervention overseas. And that is something that I, I won't even say he just failed on. Ted Cruz is the opposite. He actually rails for and more aggressive, to me, it seems like a more aggressive foreign policy. He came out against the Iran peace deal. I think there are, there are imperfections with that deal that were made, absolutely. But my issues with that deal are probably very different than Ted Cruz's. Ted Cruz is more concerned that, you know, Iran is a threat to the world. Iran is building nukes, all this, all the same kind of neocon line based on absolutely no actual evidence. And, uh, he's very, very much taken a hawkish position overseas. And to me, as a libertarian, as someone you know, firmly opposed to war, firmly opposed to foreign intervention in almost all cases. I have to give Ted Cruz a naughty on this round. Sorry, I thought I really, you know, I got excited for the guy for a second. I thought he might, you know, go a full 5-0 and on the nicest. But sorry, Ted, not going to happen today. You're naughty for 2013 for me. But like the other guys, I got a watchful eye on you. I'm open-minded. If you do good, I'll praise you. And if you don't, I'll criticize you. That's simple. All right, couple more names we're going to pound out here. For the naughty or nice list. This one on its surface might be easy, but there's let's see. Let's find out. Edward Snowden. Brian McGlyms, Naughty or Nice, Edward Snowden.
1: Well, he's he's clearly nice. Clearly, I think he did a gigantic service to the entire country. He is a hero. Uh, period. I know some people come out, including Rand Paul, saying he should be prosecuted. Uh I think he's a hero. He is the nicest nice of all.
0: Alright. Dom Sidoti back in New Jersey. What do you think of Ed Snowden? Naughty or nice?
4: Uh, me and McWilliams really have uh, turned the corner here, I think. been a more nicest and nice. Um, big fan of what he did. Um, it, you know, it took a lot for him, too. I don't think he wanted all this. I think he wanted to seek a in Russia and deal with uh, all he did. I think a uh, strong nice. You know, he leaked information that I think is very important, and I'm pretty shocked about. I mean, people aren't shocked by what he revealed. and. Um, they need to really reevaluate really their lives, um, but I'm uh, I'm impressed by what he did. And you know, a lot of this stuff we would have never found out, um, or if we did, would have found out 30, 40 years after anybody that mattered could be held accountable. Uh, I think he's a big nice.
0: All right, back to the Pittsburgh boys. Odie, what do you think about Ed Snowden? Not your nice. Ed Snowden is the
5: anti-Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham <laughs> is the Worst person on the list, <laughs> I would say Ed Snowden probably takes him. He's the nicest person on the list. He gets the nice,
0: nice of the Year award. Nicer than Ron Paul, even, huh?
1: Nicer than yeah. Ron Paul. I would uh, get, that's uh, impressive. Yeah, Ron, Ron Paul. Hey, Ron Paul, step <laughs> I, up. and cover some secrets, huh? You lazy old 79-year-old. You,
0: you 79 just got laughed by Ed Snowden, Ron Paul. Sorry. At least, at least win Odie's World. All right, Trent, what do you think about Ed Snowden? Naughty or nice?
2: Yeah, Odie said it. I mean... Edward Snowden's the, the, the best, best guy on the list. I mean, imagine basically surrendering everything you've worked for and everything you know and being extradited out of your own country for talking about the atrocities it's committed. And, you know, the, the politicians and the lawmakers are treating him as a traitor. And yet a fair amount of this population is interested in hearing what he has to say, but yet he has to hide offshore because he's viewed as a traitor here. And that's that's just not right. I mean, that guy lost a lot to, to come out and say what he said. A lot of the other people on our list haven't made the personal sacrifices Edward Snowden's made this year, so
1: yeah, hey, high hey, five, Ed. Barack Obama, uh, not on our list, but a definite naughty, having been the one who initiated the extraditing of Edward Snowden, trying to get him out of there and... Prosecuting in the first place? Yeah, and we didn't even put Obama on this well, list it's today, a, it's did we? a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I
0: mean, I, I get, I mean, there's a
1: couple ways, just like everybody,
0: you go <laughs> a couple ways on Obama. Um, alright. Now, I'm gonna take, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna take a different stance on Ed Snowden, cause on the surface, I, I agree with you guys, and I do give him a nice, obviously, it's a good thing to disclose anything the government is doing involving spying the police state and all that. But I do want to add a little asterisk, a little caveat, a little something that just, Sits in the back of my mind, and I just something to put out there that we should all just keep in mind as maybe more revelations come forward with the Ed Snowden thing. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is how much the mainstream media promoted the Edward Snowden revelations. Um, it was I, I, the only, I mean, I, my parents were asking me about it. My sister was asking about it. They they don't normally ask me about things like that. They don't normally bring that stuff up. So that gives me a little cue. It's it's it just a little kind of curiosity. Why is this such a big media hype? Why would the media promote something when typically they always cover up the government's crimes? They cover up the government's atrocities. So it's the only thing that gives me just a slight amount of pause with Edward Snowden. And whenever the media promotes something, you got to think. What is the reason? Why is this happening? And now we're seeing a lot of hearings with Ed Snowden, you know, talking about those revelations, talking about the NSA. and we've even even seen some court, some court things happening, some court decisions involving the NSA spying. and my my concern is that these Edward Snowden revelations about how the NSA has been spying us through all sorts of different means will lead to the legal discussion of NSA spying and lead to court decisions revolving NSA spying lead to congressional hearings, and my fear is that the result is a lot of this stuff will become legalized. A lot of this stuff will become, oh, we'll find ways where we can call it legal, but we'll put these quote-unquote protections in for the citizens, that kind of thing, so that eventually, because of these revelations and such a big media story, now we can all hail whatever Congress passes or whatever the Supreme Court says that quote-unquote protects the citizens while leaving the overall spying apparatus in place and that's my concern. And I'm not even saying that's necessarily Edward Snowden as some mastermind manipulator. He can definitely just be kind of tool in that cog. But that is my asterisk. That is my concern about the Edward Snowden thing. Based on what I know, I got to give him a nice, obviously for the same reasons you guys do.
1: Well, hey, good news, by the yeah. way, Mark. Uh, there was a, uh, a, a district judge, but Judge Leon recently had an opinion piece because there was a, a lawsuit brought against, you know, against basically the NSA spying, uh, people's phones. And he wrote an opinion piece, 68 pages, but basically came out and saying it completely violated the Fourth Amendment. So while it wasn't a ruling, hopefully that is an indicator uh, that people will follow. All right, Well, let's hope so. Fingers All right. crossed.
0: All right, guys, we're going to go to a guy named Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia. What do you guys think about Vladimir Putin? I'm not going to set up the reasons he might possibly be nice or naughty. I'll let you guys do that. Brian, Vladimir Putin, naughty or nice?
1: Oh, my God. Empirically, as a human being against all humanity, he is naughty. However, I will say he is nice for one reason and uh, is honestly just a a little shot he gave Obama about uh, the spying. Is that They had asked him in in a recent interview about the NSA spying, and he said he was just envious of Obama because... Even he, as the over-dictator of the uh, the (laughs) Soviet empire, former Soviet empire, he said he would never be able to get away with it. And he was envious of Bob for being able to get away with a thing like that. (laughs) That So that's pretty funny. I give him a nice for that. But overall, what a horrible human being. (laughs) That is a funny line. You're going official nice, though. I just want from Italian
0: just for the sake of Italian, I'll say. All right. All right, Tom. (laughs) Toss that to New Jersey. What do we think about... Vladimir Putin, you're technically the closest to Russia, so you probably know. <laughs> Actually, I probably am in California. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I do I, I, Sarah, Sarah Palin, biography,
4: so. Exactly. <laughs> like that. that was a good one. I'm shocked at my answer, going to say nice so for a lot of reasons Brian mentioned. And he may have, and maybe not, maybe it's unfairly attributed, but he may have kept us out of a war. And he really, I don't know if you guys heard any of the uh, New York Times letter he wrote, the uh, New Letter to America, or whatever it was called,
1: yeah, heard about it, read it. Is this regarding Syria you're referring to?
0: Yeah, can you sum up that letter for the for the listeners? Yeah, that, the I, I know on? what
1: you're talking about, but just for everybody.
4: Yeah, we were the guys who came in and solved the problem in America. Maybe you should take a look at yourselves and not believe in your exceptionalism or throw your exceptionalism around so much. Um, he kind of questioned our policies and kind of patted them back on the fact that he came up with a reasonable solution to not bomb the hell out of another Middle East country. You know, whatever his motives were, it made us pause and um, was more of a reaction to our politics than our own government was going to react to. There was a large outcry from the country. So as far as I can remember, I was kind of really optimistic about the polling numbers about what to do in Syria. Um, but that didn't seem to matter. Um, Obama was sort of taking this, well, I know better than them attitude. Um, and of all people, Putin stepped in and <laughs> yeah. listened to our worries. You know? So he really kind of, you know, kind of made a fool out of the apparatus and um that was endured little watch. I uh, I give him a nice for that. Yeah, very very good point.
0: All right. Pittsburgh boys, Odie, what do you think about Vladimir Putin? Naughty or nice.
5: Vladimir, um it's I mean I I do understand. I'll give him a hat tip for the uh the the New York Times piece that he wrote. That was great, but I I think I can't give him credit for stopping a war. I think the American people stopped that war. I think really the Liberty movement, the growth of Liberty movement and the education coming from Liberty Movement stopped that war, so I can't give him credit for that. And after all, he is still the head of a very tyrannical uh, Russian regime, and we can't look past that. I got to give him a naughty.
1: All right, that's our first naughty for Vladdy. Can I just want to add one thing? this tyrannical, I, I just want to give a quick applause. I don't applaud our government much, but I do have to say I am a huge fan of our government. they're sending. Two openly gay athletes to the, uh, the Sochi Olympics and kind of rubbing it in Russia's face. Oh, case. I honestly did not know about that. that. Yeah, there's, yeah, they're sending, uh, Billie Jean King and another two-time, uh, medal-winning Olympian, another woman who's openly lesbian.
0: Alright, Trent, what do you think of Vladimir Putin?
2: Now, Vladimir Putin, uh, the person is, is definitely a naughty, but Vladimir Putin, the uh, statesman is a nice. And the reason being is, Odramat hit the, Hit the nail on the head. The American people definitely stopped the war, potential World War III, or you know, occupation of Syria. You, you call it whatever it would have been, but Vladimir Putin was definitely the, the spark and the the international politician that stood up to what was going to happen in Syria. And if I can take it a step further, there, there's a lot of talk about Iran enriching uranium. And I, I truly believe this is the real reason that Iran is trying to enrich uranium. They just don't want to be pushed around on an international scale. Our government would think twice about invading a country that has a nuclear weapon, and that's why North Korea has done it, that's why Iran's trying to do it, that's why Turkey has done it. And this this is something we need to consider as a, as a country, that the countries that are enriching uranium are doing this for a reason. It, it's not that they're trying to do it for an offensive measure. They're doing it because they just don't want to be pushed around on an international scale. And I think Vladimir Putin stood up for Syria probably because they have a lot of foreign trade issues with them that they want to protect. But by the same token, you know, countries deserve a fair amount of individualism. And we were about to walk all over that. So I have to give Vladimir Putin a nice for for, uh, stopping a, a very major international incident.
0: Alright, so far, our shirtless bear riding, um, Russian president, <laughs> three and one. He's got
2: three <laughs> nices. <laughs> naughty for taking off shirt, though. <laughs>
3: <laughs> three yeah. nices
0: and one naughty. And, uh this is a tough one for me, actually, because as I said earlier, you know, with Ted Cruz, I mean, my biggest issue is, is foreign policy is anti-war. And I do give Putin credit for stopping, or at least a partial credit for stopping that war you know, in terms of diplomatically, you know, what he did at the UN, what Russia did at the UN to stop the resolution that would have directly led to war to Syria. But, you know, sometimes you got to take a step back. And as Odi pointed out, you got to think about it in a grander scale. I mean, this is the head of a very tyrannical, large state. I mean, he's not exactly a good guy. Anytime you're looking at what he's doing, you got to think about the strategy. He's doing this for strategic reasons, you know. You know, Russia, Russia has a certain relationship with Syria. Obviously, Russia doesn't want the United States to gain more power in those resource rich areas. So I, I don't – he's obviously not some kind of anti-war zealot. I mean, he's launched plenty of his own wars on his own. So I have to go with Odie here and say that I credit the liberty movement, the – the people that are pushing, you know, this anti-war kind of mindset in the United States that really prevented the American politicians and the president from launching this war and I, cuz i feel like they would have done it even with putin aside regardless if it wasn't for that and considering who the guy is even though i like what he said in the new york times piece i like what he did the un shutting down that resolution i still look at the bigger picture he's still vladimir putin he's still the president of russia a fairly tyrannical place in the in the grand scheme of things. So sorry, Vladdy. Despite your good deeds, I give you a naughty.
4: If I could, I think it bears mentioning, though, uh, what I'll call the Trent Seaman defense. What a message that was, that that's the guy who came out against our guy, the leader of the bastion of freedom yeah. world, supposedly, um, was the guy that sort of saved the day. If anything, it had lent credence to us um, and what we say about about distrusting our government and standing up for such ridiculous nonsense.
0: All right, here's a good one. This is one that should that should inspire a little discussion. Adam Kokesh, a man who has been a, a big-time libertarian activist for a number of years, a veteran of the Iraq War, was the leader of the group Veterans Against, against the Iraq War, and a prominent you know, podcast host, all that stuff, and he had his march planned against D.C., that kind of uh, an armed march on D.C., you know, a place where open carry is illegal. And he that kind of fell apart, and he did his own thing. He did a YouTube video with him loading a shotgun, an illegal act there in D.C. And, you know, he, he served some time in jail. His legal status is still in question, but uh, he served a lot of time in jail. He's still waiting his, you know, his formal
1: trial. What do you guys think of Adam Kokesh, Brian McWilliams, naughty or nice? He is clearly nice. You're talking about a person who's making sacrifices. Adam Kokesh has put everything on the line. As you said, his legal status is up in, in question. Uh He was detained without even being charged for anything for some two months, I think. I mean, the guy, from a libertarian standpoint, the guy has, has done nothing to violate any constitutional standpoint, any constitutional mandate. So he is a huge nice, and uh I, I hope he is free soon.
0: All right, Dom, what do you think about Adam Kokesh? Is he naughty or nice?
4: Yeah, I'll shout out Brian's comments. Uh, he's definitely nice. Um, and, you know, one of the things that stands out to me um, is that he put it all online as well. You know, anybody, you know, and some people criticize that, you know, that he pleaded guilty and got out in four and a half months. But, I mean, which one of us would be willing to do four and a half months? I mean, I'm not even willing to write an article for the damn website anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, this guy's sitting in the jail cell for four and a half months, um, and... Yeah, uh, that, that's a strong statement, and you know a lot on the line. So I'm I'm a big fan, um, and I think it's I think it's a nice.
0: All right, we go to Odie. Naughty or nice on Adam Kokesh? Yeah, I, I
5: actually wrote a that uh, Friday about Adam Kokesh um, when this occurred. And um, something that people maybe forget about is what he did is he really combined two amendments together, the Second Amendment and the First Amendment, and uh, mixed them together, and uh, it got him arrested. Um, so he, you know, took took a gun into a a zone in D.C. that said you you can't have a gun. It's a it's a gun free zone, and he exercised his First Amendment rights at the same time, um, speaking out against the government, and that got him raided. His house got raided with uh they threw uh, gas bombs in there, and
0: and there might even be a Fourth Amendment issue here too, as well with the the way that raid went yeah. down. Yeah, exactly. A lot of
5: mixing of amendments, but I've got to I've got to give him a, a nice for sure. Um, you know, people have criticized him for the way he went about it. Uh, some libertarians, uh, prominent libertarians, have criticized him the way he went about. Um, you know this uh, this video, but I, I got to give him a, a nice. He put it, he put it all on the line.
0: All right, Trent, what do you think? Naughty nice for Adam Kokesh.
2: It's definitely nice. I hate to run with the crowd, but. You gotta give the guy credit. He's, he put, much like Edward Snowden, a lot of personal, uh, effort on the line, and he's paying the price for it now. And when you look at the situation, all he was doing was, like he said, he was exercising his constitutional rights, which have been diluted over the course of 200 years in certain portions of this country, and if, if it were 1787, he'd be in the right, but since it's, you know, 2013, it's now he's not in the right and he's a criminal. That's not right. These constitutional rights were meant to go on for years and years and years, and they're being walked on. And he completely illustrated the fact that his, that your rights have been eroded. If you don't believe that your rights have been eroded, you're just ignorant at this point. So there's signs
1: signs on fences now in the parks, constitution-free zone,
2: you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's it, if if it's not Washington D.C., it's Bloomberg pulling it in New York, New York City. I mean, it's it's one after another, and then Chris Christie will pull it in New Jersey, and they're doing it in Maryland. It's it's unbelievable. It's one after another. And each each little city with its governor decides that they're going to do their own thing, and before you know it, you know your your rights have been eroded. It's the same thing, and you know, no offense to you guys, in, in California, you guys can't do that in California, so.
0: It's, None taken. <laughs> no, I, yeah, yeah I, bl- I blame our state, not me. But you
2: know, it's your fault, Mark. But <laughs> yeah, you have nice weather. You have nice weather. So that kind of.
1: But it is it true though. Once precedent is set, you know, it's like you look at legal arguments. Once the legal precedent is set, then people refer to that. It's the same thing with these states. Once once one state infringes on liberty, the precedent is set, and the other states go, "Well, they got away with it. Why can't we get away with it?"
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's just power grabbing. That's why these people like. I, not to use the guy again, but Bloomberg. I mean, he—that guy's been a power monger the entire time he's been in New York, and they're—they're they're all the same. They'll—they'll they'll literally get their their small faction and run with it. And people like uh, Adam Kokas have been pulling him out on it. And, you know, they're calling him out on what they're doing, and he should be saluted for it.
0: All right, and now we're gonna toss it back to me. <laughs> now, this is kind of a tough one for me, and it—it it doesn't seem like it should be on the surface because I am a. Huge fan of Adam Kokesh. I have loved him for years. I love his podcast. I love his internet videos. I mean, he really is not afraid to just really say it like it is. And I think he really has a very positive message. He always takes a nonviolent approach. He always stresses the ideas of, you know, changing people's minds through you know, through discussion, through negotiation, and not through violence. And that—that that is his, And as someone who was in the Iraq War, who saw this kind of violence firsthand, that's—I think it's really impressive what he's done as an advocate of liberty. But you know, there's going to be a but. <laughs> I really have some issues with the way he went about this particular thing that we're talking about. Overall, I give him a nice. But when we're we're focusing on this issue at hand, this this um you know this YouTube thing and the the gun protests. Uh, Believe me, I feel for the guy. I I don't think he should have spent one second in jail, had his home raided. Obviously, that's all wrong. But what worries me about it, again, and this is just maybe me being a little bit of a contrarian, maybe me thinking a little bit deeper like I did with the Ed Snowden thing, what are the bigger implications? But what I worry about is that, you know, the way he went about this, I'm not sure if it's in any way effective in helping Liberty. Anybody that you know, didn't already believe in the Second Amendment, didn't already believe in, in their rights to, you know, carry a weapon or what have you, was, you know, changed by, by his actions. What they, what those people see, people that maybe are already against that, they see a crazy guy with a big beard loading a shotgun in DC, making a YouTube video calling for armed revolution, and he did say that. Now, I know he doesn't actually believe in literal armed revolution, because I've heard him enough over the years. But when we're focusing in on this one issue, when he, Pretty much did say that in the video, and obviously I agree it's a First Amendment issue. He has every right to say it. He has every right to, to you know hold that gun. I think it really doesn't look good for the Liberty movement. In a way, it's kind of like the Alex Jones thing. It's where you have to judge. Yeah, I agree with this guy saying, but how does it look? And and another thing I'm worried about is is it going to inspire other kind of Liberty activists to do a similar kind of thing. Because people shouldn't be inspired to do what he did. He confronted the government directly. And that's just not a smart thing to do. You might say it's his right to do it, and it absolutely is. But let's let's realize the world we live in, the police state that we always talk about, is not a wise move, and it's not something to encourage people to do to outwardly and openly, directly confront the government in the way that he did, with loading a shotgun, blatantly violating the law, and, and kind of saying what he did. It's, it's putting a target directly on him. And I don't think he deserves it. And I don't want this to come across the wrong way. But in a way, he did bring it upon himself because he had to have known the consequences of, of that action. And he had to, maybe he didn't know the severity of how bad it would be and how he would be in solitary confinement, not getting enough food and water and all the other horror stories that I've, I've heard about his confinement. And it's all terrible. But I think in some ways he really did set a bad example. I I think it was a bad example of how you should necessarily go about expressing your views. I think it's a lot better to express your views in a way that comes across as peaceful and comes across as nonviolent. And while I know from you know knowing him over the years and knowing, you know, the kind of stuff that he says, I know he's not a violent person. But that specific video did come across as kind of someone that is trying to inspire violence. And I don't I I hope it's not an inspiration for how people should act. And I hope it's not an inspiration for how people should stand up to the government because it's only going to bring them the same kind of trouble that it brought him. So for that, considering the fact that we're talking about this specific issue, I'm going to give Adam Kokesh a naughty for this year. But as an overall guy, his his body of work over the last decade, I do give him a nice for all of that. We're talking about 2013, folks, though, so I'm sorry to say you can't get away with a perfect record today, Adam. You're naughty. I'm sorry.
1: You know, Mark, you brought up a good point, and I agree with you there. It's kind of like the Alex Jones thing is that uh, as you said, to the average lay person, he, he comes across as just cuckoo nutball. And we talk a lot of ways that one of the big things in liberty we need to, we need to focus on is education. And without education, people don't have the context in which he's doing these things. And yeah, he just comes across as, as insane. So again, the focus comes on education, bringing people around to what the problems are and, uh, to do doing that nonviolently first is the key. All right, and that's what we call the Brian McWilliams summary. We're going to have that on about a third of our of
0: our things, as if you guys well, didn't know. It's
4: that. a good point. That is an excellent point, Mark. I, I know what you're saying, but I think part of the outrage is this message got exactly what he wanted. He wanted to draw attention and um have you know get himself in a situation where it'd be like a heroic act and an act of civil disobedience, something you don't see all that often now, um, and draw a lot of attention to what could happen if you do such things and stand out and you know, he's pretty much levied charges that people planted the mushrooms or whatever they found in the Um, And uh, I think he was trying to, to to get that message across, and I think he did. And I think he put a lot on line for himself. I, I see what you're saying about the you know the, the crazy libertarian perspective he might be throwing out there, but I, I think part of that was um, by design uh, to call attention to how dire a situation can become if you don't play by the rules.
0: Right, I guess my only thing is, so was it effective? And I, I'm not, again, I'm not sure if any, any anti-gun advocate is now a pro-gun advocate because of the Adam Kokesh video. Well, I think the only people that are into it are people like us that already are, are on board with him, think he's great, and then can put aside how crazy it looks because we agree with him. Whereas I think people that maybe don't know about him or don't know what, you know, anything he's talking about see that and go, oh, crazy guy, you know what I mean? So that, I guess that's my worry. That's why
4: yeah. I give him the naughty. I, I got you. I just, uh, there's something to be said, too, for the fact that he he forced himself into a, um, a situation where he'd be kind of a model of civil disobedience, because that's a hard thing to do. Uh, and he, I think he's called some attention to you know, the, the, the crap is the justice system. If you heard any of his interviews about what he went through, how long it took to get a court date and all that, um, pretty eye-opening for people who you know who watch TV and think that the court date happens the day after you get arrested.
0: All right, and we got one more name on our Naughty or Nice list here. And we're not going to spend too much time on this one, because we actually did an entire segment about this. Our very first official Whiskey Chat mm-hmm. back in Episode 8 was about this guy. We're going to do a quick little roundtable. What do we think? And you know, we started with Ron Paul, so of course we're going to end with Rand Paul. Brian McWilliams, Rand Paul, <laughs> I already know your answer. Naughty
1: or Nice for Rand Paul. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll say I'll say naughty again. You can look on the website. Just click my name, and you'll see my reasons. Yeah. But again, search
0: Brian McWilliams and, and, yeah, and, you'll, you'll, and Rand Paul, and you'll see about twenty-five articles.
1: Ample reasons. The, the main one being that he is associated uh, with libertarianism. He's labeled as a libertarian, and he gives libertarianism, uh, libertarianism excuse me, a, a bad name because he is not a libertarian. So I give him a naughty despite the fact that he himself doesn't label himself as such. But in the context of the broader thinking, I give him a nod.
0: All right. Dom, let's toss it back to you in New Jersey. What do you think of Rand, Paul, Naughty or Nice?
1: Uh, it's
0: a
4: real mixed bag of emotions. Um, I agree with a lot of what Brian says and writes um, and rants about. Um, but, you know, I, there's some things I like. That. I I know it's kind of more attributed to Ted Cruz with the uh, the whole drone thing that he forced out of, man, I can't, his name alludes me right now. But uh, I sort of liked that he stand and got a, a clear cut letter that they would not attack US citizens with drones. I thought that was cool. Um maybe a little theatric and maybe the deal was already done and and he doesn't deserve the credit. But um I thought that was that really made a splash and made some news and made people think about, yeah, wait a second, are they gonna start using this stuff against us? And of force an actual I, I think there was actually a letter that you could you could download on, on uh off the internet. Um it was a very simple Two-word response: No, we will not. Uh, I thought that was really cool, um, but there's a lot of faults with him. You know, his pandering to Israel and and um, his kind of falling into that that uh, neocon line um, frustrates me a bit about him. Uh, and I
3: think sometimes
4: we also to too high as a standard. Um, he is the son of, of a lot of our personal heroes here, and we always sort of compare him to that. Maybe we shouldn't. I mean, it's it's good to have a guy who's at least halfway there in the Senate making news flashes. So I'll give him a hesitant
1: nice.
0: That's a good point. <laughs> it,
1: it maybe it's unfair that we, that we compare him so, so much list. to Ron Paul.
0: Odie, I know you got an opinion on this one. Naughty or nice for Ron Paul? Yeah.
5: I mean, you, you guys have hit, hit all the points, but, uh, it's, it's, it is, it is a tough decision for sure. I mean, we're talking about probably the most libertarian leaning senator in the United States. And, uh, we're calling him naughty for the year. Um, but I mean, it's because of, it's because he has that label attached to him as libertarian. So,
3: we have to hold him (laughs) accountable.
5: He has to have a, you know, the highest standard against him because he has that label with him. He is Ron Paul's son. And he really is, I think, uh, distorting the message with, with a lot of his stances, especially foreign policy. I mean, as, as you mentioned before, Mark, I mean, that's such a litmus test. And he's not crystal clear on that. He's wishy-washy. As well as many many other areas, foreign policy um, is, is definitely the very very disturbing area to see him be wishy-washy. And so I got to give Rand Paul a naughty. All
0: right,
2: Trent, what do you think? Naughty or nice for Rand? Uh, it it's hard. I mean, I was such a big fan of his Duel Buster earlier in the year, but by the same token, his foreign policy is—it's just—it's gray, it and it needs to be black or white. And he's just not there. It's I want to say nice because I'm hoping that he's going to be, he's going to work his way up through politics and then, you know, kind of rip back a shirt and be Ron Paul, but I'm not sure it's going to happen like that, but I I don't know. I'm going to throw him a nice just for, for his filibuster. That was, that was, uh, unprecedented in a lot of regards. So I'll throw him a nice.
3: And
0: I think it could really go either way, because as you guys said, he is clearly the most libertarian-leaning, you know, senator (laughs) in the United States. He's the best senator, for sure. But as I've said before, when you're talking about politicians, you're talking about senators, where it's, it's, it's an analogy I've made before. You're, you're kind of, it's like choosing who's your favorite serial killer, you Mm -hmm. know? Who's the best (laughs) of the worst kind of thing. Kind of what confuses me is, you know, you can't, you can't give Ted Cruz a nice and Rand Paul a bet. I mean, yeah. I you can, but you can't. I mean, I, isn't, that's not consistent to me. But and there is a point there that maybe people don't see Ted Cruz as a libertarian. People see Rand Paul as a libertarian, and it's it's about the context of what our discussion is. And as far as that goes, you know, if I'm going to give Ted Cruz a naughty for his foreign policy, I'm sorry, i got to give Rand a naughty for his foreign policy, too. Because while it is better than the rest and better than all the others, all the other serial killers, and, hey, that's what foreign policy is, it's just discussing you know, what group of people we're going to kill a bunch of, and that's what a serial killer does. So maybe the analogy isn't isn't even that far (laughs) off. You know, but, um, yeah, I I don't have much room for gray on a foreign policy, and unfortunately, Rand has given me, as you said, Trent, a gray view of foreign policy. He seems to sometimes try to push that non-interventionist line, sometimes try to push that, well, maybe we have to have bases here, we need to have allies with Israel kind of thing. And it really just makes it more difficult. And and even in other issues, even some of the social conservative issues... You know, he's made some comments about, um, like gay marriage and that kind of thing, which, you know, are isn't exactly a passionate issue for me. I think the government should be out of marriage. But, you know, when some of his comments are, again, associated with libertarianism, it really creates a problem. I've had people send me links to Rand Paul things saying, do you agree with what this guy says? And it's like, the reason they're doing that is because they just fall into this. Everyone thinks Rand Paul's a libertarian. So, it creates problems for me. I have to constantly defend this guy who doesn't even say he's a libertarian. So, for that, and, and I agree, I want to give him a nice because he really is the best sender, and he does bring up a lot of important issues, the drones and, and all sorts of things. And I and I do like him as much as we criticize him. I like him in so many ways. But, hey, I'm being tough today. I'm giving out of Kokesh as Naughty and, and all that. So I'm still going to give Rand Paul, unfortunately, because I do like him a lot, a Naughty for the year.
2: You're a grinch.
0: Great-
5: I gotta say, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize we were being grading. We were grading on consistency. Um, if that's the case, yeah, I have to We concerned.
0: never discussed a grading system. You know, we all have our own individual <laughs> grading systems, and and that's what's that's part of the fun of the of the Lions Liberty podcast. We all have our own opinions. We all have our own attitudes. We generally agree on things, but hey, we all have our own ideas, and that's and that's why we're sitting here. That's why we're doing this chat. It's been a fun one so far. It's been great, guys. I've got a little Christmas gift for you for our audience for everybody listening at home you know i've been working in the past week with our awesome editor john dobbert to build a little package for you guys the best quotes of the year of all our guests of 2013 we've had some amazing guests as we discussed earlier we're going to take a little break give you a little package of some of the best quotes of the year
5: this podcast is a member of the place to be nation family visit us at the
4: your pop culture home Agree to disagree.
0: Yeah, it's a radio
2: show we have on the newamericanmedia.com every single Friday at 4:30 p.m. Pacific. Join the show. What do we talk about? Politics, religion and spirituality.
0: Basically anything you're not supposed to talk about in a bar. <laughs> you're not supposed to have these conversations inside of a bar, but we have them every single Friday at 4:30 p.m. Pacific on the com. Join the show, offer your opinion, and let's agree to disagree,
2: but let's have a good conversation.
5: This is Glenn Jacobs, and you're listening to the Lions of Liberty Podcast.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the Lions of Liberty Podcast presents the best quotes of 2013. Stefan Kinsella.
1: There's something wrong with
0: the idea of the state granting monopoly privileges, so they started calling it a property right in intellectual products or ideas. Any time the state uses power to harm people, I think it's very important that we break it down and say, is this really something we should accept? You know, is it a violation of property rights? We made it to a second episode, and they said it wouldn't last. Shane Whistler. I think personally that nothing is more important
2: to the liberty movement than philosophy.
0: Why do we think a certain way? What is the nature of man? What conclusions does that lead us to? And, you know, those conclusions, luckily for us, happen to be that liberty is the best way to go. Dan Johnson. So imagine being hauled off to Gitmo
2: because you believe in liberty or because you believe in freedom or because you like limited government.
0: It's a lot easier to influence things, especially if you have an enthusiastic group, especially if you have the organization and the tools that Panda provides. Christopher Robin Zimmerman, better known to me as CRZ. I think we had the right messenger at the right time. Ron Paul was so great. Even though he was doing it from within the Republican Party, to reach a certain age, you just stop giving a crap. Yeah, and I, I feel like I, I'm almost there already, so I'm really afraid of what I'm going to be like in 30 or 40 years. Daniel McAdams. I had my eyes open to a degree,
5: and I also had my eyes open to Ron Paul. I was not particularly political and didn't follow politics very much, but I kept reading one congressman writing some really great articles about what was happening in the Balkans, and I knew he was absolutely spot on because I was sitting there in the middle of it.
0: I always wanted to meet him when I got back, and I had the chance to do that and more, so I've been very, very lucky. You seize the day. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just drinking apple juice and going on a rant. So, hey, Glenn Jacobs.
3: Libertarian societies have not
5: collapsed. Even anarchic societies have not collapsed. They've been taken over from the outside. But there are occurrences in history or examples in history of societies that basically didn't have governments. And uh, Iceland and Ireland. And they survived for hundreds of years.
0: That's why I do this podcast when the... S quote unquote does hit the fan that we can provide at least some of those explanations and hopefully a better path, a better philosophical way to go about things. Dr. Mark Thornton,
5: you know, Lou Rockwell doesn't allow me to smoke cigarettes. He's sure as heck not going to allow me to smoke marijuana in the Mises Institute. It's just what a curmudgeon.
0: I mean, come on, loosen up, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> if we just allow the market to work and we just allow people to put whatever substances in their body that they choose, the market will find ways to regulate and regulate where that drug use takes place and result in a lot less violence. Chris Brasini. Like a spark lit up and I couldn't take it anymore. I decided, you know what, I don't know what road I'm going to take, but I'm going to take a road to start sharing this stuff that I learned. And once I committed to it, I started to then be aware of perhaps some opportunities around me. And it's the job of you and I and everybody out there doing things like us, Bob Wenzel, Lou Rockwell, so many people now with the Internet. And to point out that there is another way to think about things, with our foreign policy and our general philosophy overall, there's another way and it can change.
1: Brian McWilliams. A bit of whiskey and a bit of Ron Paul talk, and <laughs> I think that's how we kind of all got moved. One way or another, I think it does all come back to
0: the whiskey. John Odermat, better known to me as Odie. You know, you were bringing up some, some
5: crazy ideas I'd never heard of before, like, you know, a Republican that was anti-war and... And all that good stuff. So uh, I was, uh, you know, pretty, you know,
0: taken aback and never heard of that before. But, uh, you know, enough Jim Beam and it opened up my mind. And Brand says, it's one of these things that we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. No pun intended. <laughs> Funny guy. Just like whiskey a politician. Whiskey chat Canada
1: right there. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, is, he, is he in a whiskey chat? Why is he making these <laughs> pun jokes? That, these pun jokes are reserved for whiskey chats, guys. Come on. Dr. Walter Block? I once shook hands with Logan von Mises, and I never washed that hand. <laughs> Be careful kind of shaking hands with Dr. Block. Uh, well, I smell a little bit, but uh, you can channel Mises for me.
2: Hunter Lewis. When government gets rotten, and when these appeals are made between
5: government and big business and big finance and big labor and big law, as I said, that changes the picture. I mean, that really thwarts the efforts of the average person to get ahead. That creates an economy in which
1: nobody can get ahead.
0: It's absolutely essential. That we make the important distinction between capitalism, real free markets, and crony capitalism, or fascism, as it's better known.
2: Roger Stone. Of those involved in the plot to kill John Kennedy, those being the CIA, organized crime, and uh, of course Texas oil, not to mention Lyndon Johnson. I think that both Dr. King and Robert F. Kennedy were killed to further cover up the murder
0: of John Kennedy. Mm power, for the sake of power. I mean, that's what defines a lot of these people, what defines why they are sociopaths, why they are psychopaths. Julie Baraski.
2: Most of our videos are ridiculous. I've done some really kind of just stupid stuff, to be honest. I had a trans
4: fat video recently. I just stuffed my face with donuts. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it gets people to laugh. They're like, hey, maybe this girl, she's crazy, but she might have a point.
1: You can
0: just start making YouTube videos out of your apartment, finding funny and interesting ways to convey ideas to others. You can be like Chris Rossini. He just made himself known to Robert Wenzel, who runs that site, started helping out any way he could, offering his assistance. And eventually he translated that into a role producing The Robert Wenzel Show. And now he's contributing his writing to several websites, the Ron Paul Institute and our very own website, Lions of Liberty. Hey, you can be like me! (laughs) John Whitehead...
5: They're forcibly taking blood and DNA samples in some states from people. They just pull them over to make them do it. The Supreme Court actually upheld that, by the way. Police can now forcibly take DNA from you when you're arrested, even for a misdemeanor.
0: Right now we have a sick society. A very sick society. But well, I think it can get better. I know it can get better. <laughs> I don't think we're born totalitarians. I don't think we're born totalitarians. You know, as people that think it's cool to get rectal exams on the side of the street. Or think it's fine for SWAT teams to break into someone's house and kill them in the middle of the night. This isn't normal. And I don't think I'm the crazy one to think that it's not normal. And I like to think that everybody out there listening, most of you, maybe there are just a few totalitarians that just decide to listen to the Lions of Liberty podcast. And hey, I'm happy to have you guys too. I welcome the totalitarians, the fascists. The Nazis, the communists, I want all you listening, because even you guys can change. It's all bad ideas. A lot of people have bad ideas. I might have some bad ideas. I don't know. I like to think I got some good ones. And I like to think that the liberty movement has a lot of good ones.
5: Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark
3: Claire.
0: All right, guys, welcome back to the Lions Liberty Podcast, our holiday extravaganza. I hope you enjoyed that little package we put together for you. Some of the best quotes of the year that you got to hear there of 2013, our first year of the Lions Liberty Podcast. We're going to close out the show we just looking at a couple things of the past year, real quick. First of all, I want to go around the panel again with our best moment. What do you guys think was the best single moment in the year for liberty in terms of our libertarian perspective? Let's go around the panel.
1: Brian McWilliams, what do you think? What's the best moment of the year for liberty? I'm a huge critic of Rand Paul, but you know, the filibuster. I love the filibuster. Good job, Rand, on that. It, the results... May not have been exactly what we wanted, but uh, the fact that we stood up against the drones and the assassination of American citizens was pretty uh, damn impressive. All right, let's toss it over to you, Dom. What
0: do you think? What is your best moment for Liberty in the year 2013? Uh, now i got to
4: reshuffle my whole uh, spiel here because William stole stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Christmas. I appreciate the response. Liberty minds nice. think alike the response to that question was really vindicating for me and the, the best moment for me as well.
0: All right, that's two for the drum filibuster. And this is from some Rand Paul critics. So listen, Rand, we're always willing to compliment you when you do well. We're All right, back to Pittsburgh. Odie, what's your best moment of the year for Liberty? I'm also going with Paul,
5: Ron Paul. So um, and I got to go with the founding of the Ron Paul Institute, a great, great thing that he's doing, bringing together some great minds diverse group of people from, from the liberal side and the more conservative side and of course libertarians as well. A great feature they have is the, the Neocon Watch, if you haven't checked that out. One of our writers, Chris Rossini, writes for them as well. So the Ron Paul Institute, check it out.
0: Absolutely. And you can check out the head of that institute, Daniel McAdams, on episode five of the Lions Liberty podcast. Did a great interview with him. Also, as Odie mentioned, Chris Rossini, a contributor to our site, also a contributor over at Ron Paul's Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Did an interview with him right before our Whiskey Chat, episode eight of the Lions of Liberty podcast, so be sure to check those out. Trent Seaman, what do you think? What's your favorite moment of the year for liberty, 2013?
2: I was a big fan of the American public in 2013. After what happened to Sandy Hook in late 2012, there was a huge run on uh, Second Amendment. And I was very happy to see that people across the nation stood up for their Second Amendment rights and really put a stop to what the uh, the Diane Feinstein's and the Barack Obamas of the world were trying to push through, push through on an international level and push through on a state level. They were they were trying to do gun control at any level they could possibly get it done, and the American public pretty much stopped it at every juncture, with the exception of Connecticut, where they they got through gun registration, but. In wake of what could potentially be viewed as a false flag event, I was very impressed with the American public, very happy to see that the American public fought for their Second Amendment rights.
0: All right. Me, personally, my favorite moment of the year is basically seeing Barack Obama come out and say that he's going to have to go to Congress and try to get something in Syria, try to get some kind of action. And absolutely nothing happened. I mean, it seemed like a repeat of the Iraq War, of Libya, of all the things we've seen before. When it just seems inevitable, it seems like there's no way we're not going to war. Only this time, we actually didn't. Like the the public outcry again. I'm impressed with the American public. The public outcry essentially stopped this war. It stopped the politicians from even bringing it to a vote. They realized you're going to bring this up, you're going down, and you know essentially that's what we got to realize. And that's why we talk about this stuff. That's why we do this podcast. That's why we do the website, lionsliberty.com. Because the more people are informed, the more people are outraged about this stuff. Even though we can say, and it's true to a large extent, politicians don't listen to us. Essentially, they eventually have to because they care about their careers and they care about moving forward with their careers. And if something is immensely unpopular as invading Syria was, and I think, like Odie said earlier, thanks largely to the Libertarian movement, thanks to the Ron Paul Institute, thanks for all these non-interventionist voices, you know, that thing was shut down. So that was my favorite moment of the year, the, the way that, you know, potential war in Syria was completely squashed within just a week of all the media hype about
2: it. Yeah, that was huge.
0: All right. And now, you know, we've we've done, this whole show has been dedicated to just recapping the last year in Liberty, talking about everything that's happened. But guess what, guys? What's happened has happened. We can't do anything about it. We gotta look towards the future. So what are you guys looking forward to in the next year? What is your wish
4: for the new year for Liberty for 2014? What is your one wish you hope to
1: see? Brian McWilliams, let's start with you. I really hope that Glenn Greenwald's new uh, media enterprise he's entered into, which I don't think is launched yet, but it's basically a voice to, you know, real news uncensored. Then obviously a uh, little libertarian leaning launches, and I uh, find great success.
0: All right, Tom, What about you? What's your wish for the new year for liberty?
4: Yeah, I'll give you a vague and then a more specific response. Um, I hope like, you know, like Brian said, that this this uh, tidal wave of of uh, sentiment keeps going, and you know, I, I meet more and more people. And you know, we don't bring up specific uh, issues with them. We talk about things in general. Sound more and more libertarian every day. Uh, I hope that keeps going. I hope we don't prove a uh, passing fad. Um, and I think another year or two of this will will prove that. Uh, more specifically, I hope we still keep going down the path of decriminalizing the use of um, illicit drugs. I hope we lose, I hope we lose the drug war in the next year, or at least
3: <laughs> well, take
4: a take a significant hit in the next year in that battle.
0: All right. Thank you, Dom. One more shot from our boys over in Pittsburgh. Odie, what's your wish for the New Year for Liberty? I guess I'm going to echo Dom here. But yeah, I'm going to wish that we can just
5: stop putting nonviolent drug offenders, nonviolent criminals, locking them in cages. If we can stop doing that, I think that says a lot more about humanity as a whole. Um, I think it's something that, uh, that really must change for our society to move forward.
0: And, Trent, what about you? What's your wish for the new year?
2: My wish is for the individual American to be more personally responsible for their life. I don't think that this country is going to change and become a bastion of liberty until each person on an individual level decides to take responsibility for their own life. You know, So many people are out there looking for a politician to save them. At the end of the day, if if you're not willing to step up and save your own life, it, no politician can <laughs> save you. People out there that are, that are lining up for, for government handouts, whether it's unemployment or social security or Medicare or even, uh, the job that they might be working for the, for the government, you gotta be willing to stand up and be your own person and stand individually if you want to escape the, the grasp of the government. So, if people are more personally responsible, the government would have nobody to oppress. That's, that's the way I, that's my wish for 2014, that people just stand up and be their own person.
0: All right, I guess it's back to me to close this thing out. And mine's pretty simple. It might be a little too hip, hippie-ish, it might be a little too John Lennon, but my wish is just to make sure we don't see a war. I mean, obviously there's wars all over the world, but I, I hope we don't see our country specifically launch into another war because that is when it really quells the rest of the debate That is when, uh, you know, civil liberties at home get clamped down on, and that is when it's really, it becomes a lot more difficult to kind of promote the ideas of liberty, promote a lot of the things we're talking about, when the citizenry is kind of wrapped up in a patriotic fervor and kind of, you know, kind of how it was after 9-11, when, you know, the government's right about everything, we have to be behind them, we have to go with whatever they're doing because they're they're here to save us, we're all together, that kind of thing, and, you know, let alone the fact that people are being murdered, which is obviously terrible. So my one wish is that our government and, hey, all governments in the world can avoid wars. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here today. I know it's been quite an arduous, tenuous journey. We have all our various drinks. We had bathroom breaks to figure out. All this stuff, all this behind-the-scenes stuff. I want to thank everybody that's helped me make this podcast over the last year uh people that have inspired me to do the work I'm doing, and you know, people that have been on the podcast. Stephen Gonsella, who first inspired me to just record something and turn it into a podcast. We've had such great guests over the last year. Uh, Walter Box, Shane Whistler, Glenn Jacobs, uh, Julie Borowski, John Whitehead, Roger Stone, you guys right here, my fellow Lions of Liberty. All of you guys have greatly contributed. Let's not forget our amazing editor who makes us all sound so much smarter than we actually maybe <laughs> would come across otherwise. John <laughs> Dobbert, thank you so much for what you've been doing for us. Ron Branch, the guy who has made our our theme song, an excellent theme song he produced for us for the Lions of Liberty podcast. I believe Brian in Studio has someone to thank as well.
4: I, I just want to say, we wish you... A
5: liberty, must
4: everybody. Uh, yeah. We wish you a liberty, we, we wish you
0: a liberty, must.
5: We wish you a liberty, must, and a
3: happy new
0: year. We had to do it for him. It was a condition that's coming on the show that he had to fit a pun Christmas <laughs> song into into his final spiel. So I did promise him that. I Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Thank you, everybody out there listening to it. Thanks for being involved in us. Please remember to check out our website, Lines of Check us out on the social media. Check us out on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Lions Liberty. Twitter at Lions Liberty. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher Radio. I don't care how you do it. I'm just glad you're here listening to us. Thank you so much. Take care. We'll be back next week with another show. I promise they're going to keep coming. Thank you so much. And remember, guys, until next time, live long and live free.
2: we no.